Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined as always by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I'm Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. We are going into our second team preview podcast tonight. That will be Michigan State, Nebraska, and Rutgers in that order. Um, usually we start the podcast out with some witty banner and off-the-wall topic. We got too much stuff to talk about, although I will say there's more washcloth users out how, there. Than how about it? Yeah. <laughs> Still don't get it. Still I don't, don't get it either. But you God know, bless you people. Not to harp on it too much, but it, it, you're you're washing yourself and it starts getting cold too. Sure. You know, like because yeah. you, you got the warm water and the, the warm water, but then it gets cold really quick. I don't, there's nothing. Yeah. Mr. Ohio and Gotch and a couple other people that commented, I still don't get it. I, I joked to them that you remember the episode when Kramer was taking notes because his shower process took so long. I would have to do that with somebody using a washcloth to try to understand, you know, what the basics are behind a washcloth, but I don't know. Well, I'd still, we haven't heard a reason why people use it. More They've just, said, I use it. Okay, that's fine. But why? There was Gotch gave a reason. He did. It 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 made a little sense. I'll just say that. That's the best I can I can go out there <laughs> okay. with it. Okay. I'll have to I'll have to look Check that up. Out. I didn't see it. All right. So we are recording this podcast on Wednesday evening, almost night on uh, Wednesday the twenty eighth. More stuff broke today in the Texas Oklahoma Big Twelve. It's saga. It's kind of like I'm having flashbacks from 2010 when this happened, right? It's very similar. I mean, yeah. um, and by the way, I'm gonna make get it out there. I don't like any of it, but I enjoy the chaos, though. The chaos is fun. I feel that I found the chaos more intriguing 11 years ago yeah, than sure. I do now. Um, you know, and and I feel like listening to other podcasts, Twitter, text conversations with buddies, what have you. I believe the high general consensus is nobody is really wanting, right? No, no, nobody wants this. And and I believe the reasons behind that are no fans in the stands last year, chopped up season. We get through this stuff. Everything looks like, you know, well, I really hope that it's going to be packed stadiums, full schedules. We just want a college football season to happen. Yeah. By the way, the you know the the playoff expansion stuff we yeah. already went through that NIL we yeah. go through how much drama think th- think about what it, it's going to look like when this happens versus just a few years ago there was no transfer portal there was no NIL now now you got you went from two teams to four teams to twelve teams it's a c- completely different game than we were used to. And, you know, a little bit of an exchange with uh, Pete Futek of College Football News I had on Twitter mm. this week. Good guy. I like Pete. I, I mean, like he, Pete, too. Pete does good stuff. Minnesota guy. Yep, Minnesota guy. Um, and but he said, you know, the thing is, is college football fans, no matter what, always keep showing up. Yeah. He's got a point there. Don't yeah. get me wrong. But, like, there is a point where you can push it too far. Well, yeah. And I, mean, I, I think we're encroaching on that. You're killing a lot of natural rivalry, rivalries that have been around forever. I mean, that's not good for the game, is it? And then the other side of it is you can't just live on the diehards. You have to be recruiting some yeah. quasi-college football fans. Right. You do this, and then even the diehard college football fans like me and you, 
maybe don't try to recruit a pseudo quasi sure. college football. I don't know if that makes any sense. No, it but, does. But there's dollar signs that live in that area, well, right? And I, the, my fear has always been that the the the, be, the good teams are going to get better, the bad teams are going to get worse. So how long can someone keep hanging on to a bad team? You know, if, if it's just, if they know there's no chance that your team ever has of ascending. That's a good point. Um, another thing too is just you know the more talk of these. You know, super conferences, or it's almost like a club you got to get into. Somebody's got got to lose football games in any schedule or season. Like, yeah. not everybody gets to be Texas and Alabama, stuff like that. Like, somebody's got to be the lower end teams at some point. Correct. And the way the system has worked for years is we've somehow tricked the lower half of college football fans and programs into thinking it's still a great thing. They still have a chance. You know what I'm getting at? Like it wasn't broke. We shouldn't be trying to fix it this hard. And and I, I, I just believe it's unhealthy for the whole sport. Better too. Um, and what we're getting at is, you know, Texas and Oklahoma officially have left the Big 12. I believe it's going to be at the end of 2024 or five. It's I think, yeah, I can't remember which season they start, but 2025 is the the you know like the the line of demarcation but i don't know if that's their last year yeah. that's their first year in the in, SEC, in the sec is I what think. it looks like yeah. um so fitting that the second team we'll talk about tonight is nebraska uh because they have a a very tumultuous relationship with texas and the more time that passes the more and more people i believe are seeing nebraska fans point of view on just how disgusting i think it'd be the word i could use the texas longhorn program is childish childish yeah childish that works um i told him i would read his tweet off so i want to make sure i do it our friend captain bug eater big fan of the podcast also has some great tweets this one was a banger i mean this thing was over 500 uh likes and a bunch of retweets by middle of the day but he just listed it off texas football collapsed the swc collapsed the big eight Won a national title, then pressured the head coach to resign, declared itself back, loses to Maryland and Kansas, and now has collapsed the Big 12. Where are the lies detected in that tweet? I, I detect no lies there. I mean, this is what Texas has done. There was, I, I mean, the, if there's ever a silver lining to something, could they take an axe to the SEC in about 10, 15 years? Oh, boy. How about that? <laughs> Okay, but let's – so I don't want to jump ahead here. Maybe this is jumping ahead. Did you have anything else to add? We'll keep to going wherever, wherever you want to go. Okay. So the SEC is expanding, and they're bringing in two, you know, pretty much blue bloods, right? And But you think the Big Ten doesn't necessarily have to do anything here. So I'm not firm that they have to add teams or that I'm firm that they shouldn't, mm-hmm. Okay. What I'm saying is don't make a bad decision oh, on I, the teams that you add. I agree. Because you think you need to do something in reaction to the Correct. SEC. Okay. I agree. But I think they do have to do something. This is a power move by the SEC. They're trying to take control of college football altogether. That's what they're doing here. So what is the Big Ten going to do in response to that? I think they really need to partner, partner with the Pac-12. Seems like the most viable situation. Yeah. I would not just say – I would not do Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State. I don't know how that helps you that much. I think you need to go bigger than that. You need the Oregon, Washington, UCLA, USC's of the world. USC, um, almost for sure. If, if they're going to expand in the Pac-12, the U- USC has to be a part of that, I believe. Um, yes. 
Oregon seems to be one of the next teams that you would look at. Now, when you say partner up with the Pac-12, what do you mean? I don't know what that would look like. You'd have to have lawyers involved, yeah. but you'd have to, you know, you have to hitch your wagon to each other. You have to be not necessarily the same entity, but you have to be working together against the SEC. So let's say you had like, basically you put those two conferences together, you got four divisions, so you could do some sort of playoff out of that maybe. Or you just or you just take your champions and they play together in a championship. Yeah. Um, I'm going to throw this out. Uh, uh, the first, literally the first person I saw it is my friend. Uh, he's in my big Hawkeye text chain. We're going to, we're going to call it the Hartsey idea. And what Hartsey threw out there was essentially making it literally a North versus South. I, I mentioned this to you too. Right. So he, he was the first person I really kind of okay. saw and essentially making it into an AFC NFC type of deal. Sure. Um, and another way of looking at it would be, could it start out as the old AFL-NFL thing, you know? Sure. Um, and then at some point, it joined together. It's the Super Bowl, and then it all became one league, obviously. But um, So, so if, I don't know if it would be that separated to, to begin with, because obviously the AFL competed for their own championships. You know, it was yeah. separate from the NFL. Um, but, you know, what I'm getting at is that type of feel, where it's you really feel like it's – you're a part of one team and the other. And basically how that would work out is it would essentially be the ACC and SEC teamed up against the rest of the conferences. Right. Something to that degree. Correct? Or, or I mean, it would really boil down to, assuming that the Big 12 dissolves, it would really boil down to ACC, SEC versus Big 10 and Pac-12, right? Okay. Now, maybe so that you, leads... Go ahead, sorry. Well, then you you have a natural playoff, right? Yeah. You, got, you have four divisions in each conference, so to speak. And they all play for a playoff, and each one has a champion. They send their champion against one another. I mean, is that what we're destined to do? Something. I, I just like see that? that maybe that is one potential result of all this. Okay. Um, I mean, basically, then we're really pretty much a super conferences type of thing that you hear. Um, you hear about these pod things a lot, you know, where, and then the pod things always seem to be revolving around sixteen team conferences with four four team pods. Yep. To me, if there's enough team for enough money, excuse me, for for a 16 team conference, there's enough money for a 20 team conference. Okay. So just give me four five team pods because okay. you get down to four team pods like you know, looking at our conference, okay? Who does I mean, you're going to probably almost for sure put Iowa Wisconsin and Minnesota sure. in the same pod. Of course. Probably and, Nebraska. So, and you hear that, but then, I mean, there's rivalries with Northwestern and Illinois that, you know, Iowa and Wisconsin fans have. And I'm, I'm not saying you can keep it all together. And I'm sure there's going to be the, the rivalries that they're going to keep intact and stuff like that. But I just feel like if you got to the 20 team conference type of deal, you could keep more of that together because you would have one more team. In okay. Your pod. All right. And what's the difference between 16 and four and 20 teams? Okay. Let me ask you this. If you're the big 10, well, no. Okay. ACC fans. Do you think they dislike the sec? God, that's a good, I, five years ago, I just said, absolutely. But do they feel some sort of weird kinship with them now? I don't know. But I guess what I'm getting at is if you're the big 10, why don't you go after the ACC as well? I and just make so. it sec versus everyone. Look, if you want to be the power player here, it's you versus all of us, buddy. I would love that. 
Let me rephrase that. I would love if none of this was going yes. on. I want to make sure I'm clear about that. But if that is happening, yes, then SEC versus the world, I will sign up for the world side of things. I think also what we're getting at was kind of the major news dump today in college football Twitter. Bob Bowlesby, Big 12 commissioner. You might outpower Bob Bowlesby, but you won't outsmart him. He's a sharp dude. Um, I had a one-on-one meeting once with Bob Bowlesby, by the way. Um, Wait, what? Well, yeah, he used to be the athletic director at Iowa. Oh, he was. No kidding. Yeah, many moons ago. Um, So a couple days ago, he released a statement. The events, or maybe it was just yesterday. Can't keep this stuff straight. The events of recent days have verified that, in parentheses, OU and Texas have been contemplating and planning for the transition for months. That was kind of the first you know, little hint. And then what it came out today is Bob Bowlesby and the big 12 sent a cease and desist to ESPN to basically stop tampering with the college football world and with their conference. I mean, I think it's great. I I love it. Whether it happened or not, I have no idea, but I love that they're doing that. I mean, and, and, and our guy, Dustin Schutte, he's been saying this for years about you can't plausibly think that the committee and how we elect our top four teams or top two teams before that was ever actually a democratic process when ESPN has control of the ACC. And then it's been, it's been ACC somewhat recently and the SEC for a long time. Of course they're going to usher in and try to get two SEC teams. And it's always going to be an SEC and ACC team. And they own the rights to the, the league champ. I mean, it's just right in front of us. It's been right sure. in front of us for years. Bob Bowlesby just sat up and said, let's do something about it. And he sacked up and he's taken them on. So I, at first I was kind of confused because ESPN has TV deals with the Big 12. So why would they want to destroy the Big 12? But I guess they just wanted to get out of the contract is what they're maybe it wasn't paying dividends for them. You're, you're talking why Texas and Oklahoma want to leave. No, why ESPN wants the Sorry. Big 12 to dissolve. Like, what is their motivation? They must not like the TV contract, right? Must not be paying off for them. That's a good, that's a good question. Because I, I, my first thought was, why would they do that to someone they're partnering with? Oh, okay, they don't like the deal. Yeah. I guess. Or just straight up greed when they sit and look and they go, okay, we get money from the Big 12 deal. But most of that money is coming from yeah. Texas and Oklahoma. So yeah. let's just take them. Right. We don't really care about those other programs and the millions of fans that follow those uh, programs. Screw them. Yeah. I mean, right? That's what ESPN's yes. doing. Of course it is. Like, like at some point, are we getting close to like pitchforks and you torches know, to, to to and say stop it? Strangely, that I wouldn't call that social justice, would you? I would not. I would call it vindictive i would call it greed i would call it a lot of things other than that i thought they were all in on social justice they can dance on both sides of the fence pretty well can't they yeah and they don't get called out of it because why well because they're espn and abc and disney and all that stuff right so i don't know how i don't know where this is gonna go with bullsby taking on espn like this i just want to tip my hat to him now uh and say i wish you luck sir and whatever comes out of it I just hope ESPN gets drugged through the mud at the very least. If they get stripped of some power, that would be fantastic. I mean, it would take 
congressional, you know, intervening for that to happen, my guess. But if they meddled with someone they're in business with to destroy that business, but then also it sounds like reached out to the American conference and we're meddling with them to try to get them to take. I mean, this that's could not, make it to court. If that actually happened, that's not a slap on the wrist type of thing. They, they could get in trouble. Yeah. They could get in big time trouble. Yes. So, and if lawyers are involved, somebody's talking Bullsby into the fact that, to use another SEC reference, it's probably not much different than Jackie Childs thinking, you know, he's got a case for Kramer to go at it. And they're probably convinced him that that's the case. So something's going to happen here. Um, to bring this back around to the Big Ten before we, and then we'll just kind of finish it up. We're, we're almost there. But, I mean, as far as decisions being made for the conference that involve pretty much all things football and then especially involve decisions with should we add, if we do, who we add, I think we're under the general assumption that it's Barry Alvarez that's doing this right now, correct? So, I don't know. That's a, Why do you say that? I mean, it's been stated. I mean, Kevin Warren stated himself that Barry Alvarez. He did. Yes, that's, this is this has been confirmed. <laughs> okay, I mean. That, I have my, my I'm face palming mm-hmm. right now. Um, again, to go back to my analogy from like six, seven podcasts ago, if you hire somebody to run Apple, but he can't control the iPhone because that's just too much for him, is he really running Apple? Right. And I mean, is this not that if that's true, which I, I believe it to be, I mean, I believe it's been confirmed. I've, I've heard it on different podcasts. I'll be honest with you. I haven't seen the clip of Kevin Warren okay. talking because yeah, I've seen I the avoid, chatter, but I just, I didn't know right. what it was specifically. I avoid Kevin Warren talking oh, like the plague. So I just haven't listened, but um, that's very embarrassing for Kevin Warren. I don't know how you can view it any differently, but th- um, thank goodness we have Barry Alvarez. I have to, if, I mean, it, yeah, I guess. I, I, I can't believe I'm saying I, that. I cannot believe I'm agreeing with you. Yeah. I took a poll among my, you know, text group to see what they thought. I didn't get much answer back. My guess is because people are like, ah, I don't know. I don't want to answer that. But um, with that being said, it it seemed like very quickly for whatever re- – well, I can say the reason. Everybody thought Kansas and Iowa State – was basically a done deal. Those were the two teams. I don't teams. know how you would think that's a done well, deal. Well, because of the AAU membership. But uh, look, the the Big Ten needs to let that go. Okay, thank you. Literally, I I I was going down that path. You you went there for me. The, I'm not saying I'm that. not. If you make a spreadsheet of do's and don'ts, right? Of should I take the job or not take the job? I'm saying it's on the positive side. It's something that's attractive yeah. about a school. But it should be like eighth on the list for what you're in, is important about uh, bringing about a athletics. When you're talking about athletics and you're you're letting some some academic hang up stop yeah. you from it's just ridiculous. They need to let I, you know, like sure. like Nebraska was a member. They of were the AAU yes. when we brought them in the Big Correct. Ten. They are no longer a member. Does anybody care? What, did the world crumble because <laughs> they're not an AAU member? Like. Did I, it's I such didn't... it's such a non-existent things that are non-existent thing that Nebraska is no longer a member of the AU that even Iowa fans don't make fun of them for it because nobody cares. And you know what else? I didn't even know that until this week. I didn't know they were no longer an AAU member. It's that stupid. That's how much it impacted my life. Oh my 
gosh. Um, so yeah, I, I, at some point in the week, I was trying to, uh, convince myself of what it would be like if the other team that shares the state of Iowa with Iowa was a member of the big 10 conference. Um, after a couple days of researching and reading people that are more plugged into the situation, it does not appear that that's going to be the no. case, or if it is, it's not something that's eminent. Okay, so let's say the SEC takes Oklahoma, Texas. They're at 16 teams. I really think if everyone else banded together, you could just crush the SEC. I really like your positive attitude. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, 16 versus basically 50, right? Something like that. Yeah. 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 I'd love for that to happen. And one one just more shout out here. Um, What I have come to find out through this whole process is I'm obviously a Big Ten fan first. Man, I love my Maction. And I feel like Maction is hanging on by a thread because it would be one of the divisions that would take it in the shorts the most. I don't want that to happen. No, I, I don't either. I love watching Mac football on Wednesday and Thursday nights. And it's just, I don't know, it's like, we've talked about this before, but you know, traditions that come out you know, in the spring and traditions that come on things you do with your family in the summer and stuff like that. One of my traditions that has been a part of my life for the last 10, 15 years is throwing some action on some action. Yes. And, and I love it. And I, I don't want that to go away. Well, it's not going to go away. Okay. Like what? So, and then I don't know what's going to happen. Like, but here's one maybe positive. I mean, this is all kind of progressing towards the P5 Becoming autonomous, don't you think? Breaking away from the NCAA eventually, but that's they're not where my br- nerve. That's where my nerves are. Okay, at. they're not going to bring the G five with them, but then the G five is going to be forced to have their own championship, which I've been saying they should have been doing for years. I just feel like it will be lessened down. It'll a be lot lessened if if a MAC team has not played one Group of Five team, yeah. or they're you know, or or the bowl system. Maybe they get to still play a possible Group of Five team or a Power Five team. Excuse me in the bowl says, I, I don't know, but I, like if it's lessened a little, okay, not a big deal, but like, I don't know. I just you feel like become... some of those athletic departments and football programs are hanging on by a thread. And yeah. if you, if you rip out it's a good the, point. The, their, their interactions and money they get from the power five and they're cut off from that money, but I'm going to start getting picked off, man. I think the P five would still be playing those schools. Okay. I don't know why they'd stop playing them. I don't know. Like, I feel like a lot of these things that happen, they, it's all about, you know, a commodity. I mean, it's just a commodity and, and they want that property as much as possible. Even if we went to 10 power five teams for every uh, group of or uh, 10 power five teams played for every power five team, you know, or uh, they play 12 games. That only yep. leaves two for, for a group of five. That's sure. going to lessen it down a lot for how much money is out there yeah. in games that, that, that group of five teams get to play against power five. I think that makes a huge difference right there. Yeah. But I don't know why you need to go just down to two non-con games. I don't know. It's just stuff that I've heard. Um, the yeah. one thing I would say is if all of this goes down in, in some capacity, there's uniformity throughout football where college football, where, Every team pays plays the same amount of power five to yes. group of five. Like nine to three would be my personal favorite. I think you so. Know? Or I could yeah. If that's the case, that would be a positive that comes out yeah. of it that it's it's more uniform. For of sure. course we'll do the opposite because yeah. it's college football and right. that won't happen. But 
All right. We had to talk through that, right? It was a big, it's a big thing going on right now. Yes. All right. That gets us to the three teams that we have tonight. I probably am redundant when I say this, but I'm serious. I'm very excited to talk about all three of these teams. I felt like, I felt like I learned a lot about two of them. The other one, I I feel like I learned quite a bit, or I already knew quite a bit. Yeah, but sure. First up, the Michigan State Spartans. Thank you to our buddy Dougie and also Standing Room Spartans. Both did a great job of interjecting a lot of Spartan knowledge. We're going to use it and sprinkle it all throughout breaking down Michigan State. They did a great job. And so. to add a little bit to that, just another shout out to Standing Room Spartans at Standing Room Spartans on Twitter. But they do a podcast. They do a great podcast. Give them a lesson. I'm going to steal a little bit from uh, two podcasts ago. Uh, Standing Room Spartans broke down actually the Athlon magazine and just kind of gave mm. his own thoughts. He pulled okay. out a lot of cool stuff. Uh, so hopefully if I'm using him, if I'm referencing it, he won't be mad at us because well, again, like if you're a Michigan State fan, you got to listen to that podcast. I, I even think just a lot of general Big Ten fans could enjoy a lot of that stuff on the podcast too. So. I mean, I think if you're a Michigan State fan, that is, it's got to be the primary podcast, right? Would, it's got to be one of them. Yeah. 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 So anyways, okay. So last five years, how about this? Michigan State's record last five years, 29 and 29. That's pretty amazing. I don't know what I was expecting, but I was still surprised to see it was exactly 500. I, I was I was expecting over 500 anyway. Yeah, um, because it doesn't seem like we're that removed from really good D'Antonio years. But obviously we are if we're at 500 because D'Antonio was well over 500 for several years. So it's kind of it's kind of surprising. Yeah, it is. Um out with D'Antonio uh, over a year ago and in with Mel Tucker, I'm starting to think that they could not have chosen a coach with a different, a more different approach from D'Antonio than what they got with Mel Tucker. Okay. Why is that? Again, I, I want to reference Standing Room Spartans. Like, he pointed out things that were very, It's it was like, it wasn't things that I didn't know, but he laid it out in a way that was very articulate. D'Antonio was a three-star recruiter, yeah. team builder. Um, Mel Tucker is going all in on higher recruits sure. and transfer portals. Um, the style is different. Yeah. Um, we could be looking at, I, I'm going to try to dub these guys Bizarro Sparty because it sure seems like this has the potential to be a completely different looking Spartans team than we ever got used to in the last, you know, whatever decade under D'Antonio. Well, they're also rolling out five DBs as their standard. It's another thing. Yeah. Yeah. They're going four, two, five. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll kind of maybe organically get into some of that as we go down, but lots of things are going to start looking different, probably from a lot of Michigan state fans. They're hoping things, you know, maybe look a little bit different, especially towards the end of the D'Antonio, which is, I believe they have been patient enough. Maybe it's time we start saw it, seeing some explosive offense out of Michigan State. Well, yeah, I'm sure if you're a Sparty fan, that's what you really want, right? Is you just want to see some scoring. They they haven't really had that. But it, talk about different. This roster is so unpredictable, right? A lot of faces that we can point to on offense that we know. Once we flip over to defense, brother, it is just like spin a wheel and pick a name out. <laughs> We'll, we'll get into it, but it's, you know, it's crazy 
when even the insiders like Dougie and, and standing room Spartans are just like, well, let's check what the latest depth chart is for sure. people because it's it's going to change every week of camp th- as we get deeper into the summer. And by the way, competition's a good thing. Yeah. So some of this this turnover, some of these transfers I think is really good. I think Pick Six Previews said that they had twenty seven out and eighteen in. So I mean that's enormous roster turnover right there. So it, I don't really know what to expect from the roster itself. Like I never went through that at Iowa. I would be curious to know if you asked some of these players, you know, like a fourth year guy, are there times where he's at the complex and he's like, man, I don't know who that guy is. There's gotta be, there's gotta be certain amount of not knowing names. Especially with all the COVID stuff, who knows who they were working out with and not working out with and when they were in the gym and not. Yeah. They probably see guys like, Oh, is he, a, is he a new coach? Is he a player? Who is that guy? Which lends itself even more into the fact of how topsy-turvy 2019 was, or excuse me, 2020 was for Michigan State and Mel Tucker because he literally was was year zero. I, I really do think this is year one. I know we've said it I, I a agree. bunch on the podcast. I know it's overused, but with that being said, it is the second year with both uh, offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. It's awesome that they've been able to hold on to Scotty Hazelton, I think he's a still. I, I think he's a really good defensive coordinator. Yes. Looking at some of these numbers, right? Um, last year they were a hundred and ninth in total offense at three hundred twenty yards per game. Scoring offense somehow worse, hundred and sixteenth at eighteen points per game. This was a crazy stat thrown out by Standing Room Spartans. Michigan State turned the ball over just short of one out of every five possessions holy crap um wow okay but galactically bad but wasn't weren't half of those in the Rutgers game though I do think it's fair (laughs) to point out that roughly half of them (laughs) happened in the Rutgers if you you know it's the the take out the highest and the lowest yeah and and take the middle I think they would be helped out a lot by the Rutgers game or Rutgers game being gone so returning starters on offense now it depends on what magazine you look but I think you could be as high as nine returning starters back on this offense. And I got to be honest with you, Michigan State deep dive was the first team so far. And there's a couple every year when we do this where I sat back and said, maybe this team's a little bit better than I have thought of the whole offseason. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Stay on the offense for now. Okay, I'm staying on the offense. You have a point. I, I worry a little bit about the line and and still the quarterback, but those are two huge questions, right? I mean, I, I think they got a nice running back room. I feel pretty confident about that. I like the wide receiver room, but if you're not protecting your quarterback and if your quarterback's not that good, you're in trouble. Okay, but I believe they brought in they brought in an all conference offensive tackle uh, to, to to come in off, uh, in the transfer portal. Many people believe the tackle last year is going to slide in and play guard, which is his more natural position. Long story short, there's guys um, that are going to be playing uh, uh, this year that weren't playing last year. And I am convinced there's going to be an improvement because of that. I think there's going to be guys starting or uh, guys that started last year that are going to be in the rotation, but not starting. And because of that, I really think this is going to be one of the more improved offensive lines in the Big Ten. Well, don't get me wrong. I can see a situation where their offensive line does play solid football, and they've got the playmakers around them, and then if they get solid, not doesn't have to be spectacular quarterback play. Okay. I could see a pretty a, a big improvement. 
Offensive. So let's leave quarterback for last. Those weapons you talked about. I mean, every single insider, every single thing I read with Michigan State, they are absolutely in love with running back Kenneth Walker that, again, mm. another one of those transfers. Transfer, yep. It seems like he is just that good. Now, his stats at Wake Forest were pretty good, okay? Not not out of the world good. They were just good. They were consistent is the best way to to. But I don't know what he's done, but everybody is talking about how amazing he is. Uh, teammates, when they get asked who's having a good camp, every single one says Kenneth Walker. Now I'm to the point where I can't wait to watch this guy play to see what he looks like because I have to admit – I haven't watched a ton of Kenneth Walker from right. Wake Forest the last couple of years. So they also add Harold Joyner from Auburn. Yeah. But they still they bring back Elijah Collins, Connor Hayward. So, I mean, they're four deep in the running back room. They got a spare and a pair and another well, one. A spare and a spare is what they got. <laughs> a spare and a spare, yeah. A pair and a pair and a pair and a pair. So we'll see who winds up getting. I, the general consensus is that Walker is going to be the primary back. But, you know, let's not forget about uh, Elijah Collins, who was a yeah. good running back two as a years freshman, ago. Yeah, as a freshman. He, don't write him off yet. I think he's going to play a big role in this offense. Then you switch to the wide receivers, man. Oh, I love. so this is my sneaky favorite wide receiver group in the Big Ten. Absolutely. You got Jaden Reed. Love him. He had a great year last year. Transferred from Western Michigan originally. Jalen Naylor's fantastic. I mean, he's, he's a burner. If he can stay healthy. Another one, Ricky White. Yeah. That guy – he has, you know, flashes of brilliance. He needs to be more consistent. But then you go in the two deep. Trey Mosley, C.J. Hayes, these are names we know. And then they bring in a transfer, Christian Fitzpatrick from Louisville. Love this wide receiver room. Dude, it's a great so wide receiver room. That is going to help out whoever is the quarterback a Okay, lot. so then we get to quarterback. I don't know where you stand on this, but this is where I stand. It, everybody believes that Anthony Russo is going to be the quarterback. Like, I, I think the general thought process is – the coaching staff brought uh, Russo in from Temple yeah. because th- his style fit what they want to do more. Okay? okay, He's more of a pocket passer, probably not as mobile as Peyton Thorne. Yeah, maybe, maybe just more prepared to take on the shots. Well, I think that's what it is, okay. right? I think that they probably just want – they want a guy – who knows who's going to start? Whoever wins the job wins the job. But it is but generally concerned that the transfer is going to take going to be the starter on day one. That's fine, and I think that just means they want a little more time for Peyton Thorne. Is that what you think? Sure. Okay. You know what? That is a good take on that. Um, my take is is this. We talked about at the beginning of the pod, one out of five possessions resulted in a turnover. I don't know that Roos is going to help that. 44 touchdowns to 32 picks at Temple. Right. And that's not going against Big Ten defenses, brother. Right. Like, I, if you're going for a steadier hand, I don't know if you found him. Well, and and we saw Peyton Thorne at the end of last year. I mean, he had an amazing game against Penn State, I believe it was. Did he not look much improved? He looked incredible that game. He had over 300 yards passing, if I recall. He looked great. And I was like, if that's who Peyton Thorne is, wow. So to me, nobody's expecting Mel Tucker to go nine and three this year and and you know have a fantastic year. They they want to see they want to see something fun and different and improvement throughout yes, the year, correct? That's all you're looking for. So with that being said, don't you write it out it's with good point. the younger quarterback sure, give him. because then he pays more dividends. Sure. The other side of it is now you you listed it out on why you would have the older guy and let him develop. So that's a great way of looking at it. 
What I'm nervous about is they go with the transfer. Peyton Thorne goes, yeah, takes off. Russo's gone at this year, and you're restarting again at quarterback. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, man. I Maybe I'm looking too deep into it's this dicey. thing. So maybe they just figure Peyton's our guy, but we need a guy in case he gets hurt. Okay. Maybe that's the case. So tight ends, hopefully they can block. But remember Malik Carr transferred from Purdue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember that. And by the way, I don't know. People have been saying like, oh, he wasn't really panning out. I saw, I know he didn't have a ton of numbers, but Flashes. I saw him do, him do some things. I'm Flashes. like, this guy's going to be a player, I yeah. think. Yeah, we didn't talk much about the tight end room. It's there, there's It leaves a little bit to be desired. Yeah, it does. I, I think they got more blockers, but when you got that many wide receivers and running backs, maybe you got enough there to make stuff work. Uh, switching over to the defense. Uh, <laughs> I mean... Returning starters somewhere around three, but who the heck knows? Because this stuff is all over the place. You know, even with the defense not being definitely Sparty S, they were 54th total defense last year. Mel Tucker is a defensive guy. The thing yeah, that's crazy, though, they were a hundredth in scoring. I don't defense. know how you do that. That's tough to pull off. It's like almost anti Northwestern. I mean, uh-huh. I know they had 300 turnovers in the Rutgers game, but how many of those were, were pick sixes? Dude, I mean, they gave up. Like, you listen to these. Look at these points that they gave up. So they gave up 38 to, to Rutgers. Again, the turnovers. Uh, played Michigan very tough. Only gave up 24 points in that game. 49 to Iowa, 24 to Indiana. Beat Northwestern, 52 to Ohio State, Oof. 39 to Penn State. Yeah, Penn State had figured things out, but... You can't be giving up that many points to some of those teams. That's that was a struggling defense. So what? Do so you it do? was a break, don't bend defense. <laughs> that's, exactly, that's exactly what that was. They need to flip that this year. I think that, that was fantastic. Um, so what do you do when you have a break but don't bend defense? You essentially bring in anything you can into this uh, defensive room. They brought in, they brought in six cornerbacks, <laughs> six transfer cornerbacks. That's got to be a you, record. Can you say they were not confident in that room when they sh- <laughs> when they looked at it this year? I don't know if I've ever heard of anything like just one position <laughs> one like position. that. Now, that granted, they are, they are throwing another corner out there because they're going to play a lot of yeah. nickel, it sounds like. So that was probably part of it. But still, that's a lot. <laughs> that's, that's, a lot. That, that's, that is bringing in a lot of bodies. So, um so defensive line, I mean, the one uh, name that you can hang your hat on is Jacob Panishuk. Sure. By the way, in Athlon's three teams they do, uh, first, second, third team, offense and defense, only dude out of mm. Michigan State that made that made one of those teams. Out of offense and defense? I, I believe so. Wow, I was looking no kidding. Over it and missed somebody. So, and, and Jacob Panishuk is more of a uh, solid – Dude, yeah, he would fit in on any defense in the yeah. country, yeah. but he's not a difference maker. No, I, I wouldn't say so. So at least we haven't seen that yet. So they are looking for difference makers on this defense. I do think they'll have a pretty good defensive line. Okay, uh, Michael Fletcher will be a good defensive lineman for him. There are some good things there. Of all the the units on defense, I feel the best about the defensive line. Then you move to different parts of the of uh, the defense. We'll go to we'll go to linebackers, standing room Spartans, Dougie, uh, random you know Michigan State article that you find. Everybody's talking about another transfer. 
Quavarius Crouch, sure. linebacker yeah. Quavarius Crouch from Tennessee, could also double as how Kurt had to bend over and pick up his remote right after his hernia surgery. Yes. Quavarius Crouch? I mean, it, it, I'm not even sure. <laughs> I don't think there was even a crouch there. <laughs> Just a lot of grunting. But anyway, so will he wind up being the stud, the anchor of the linebackers that everybody needs? Because I can tell you this, there there isn't a lot of confidence on the guys that were there last year playing uh, linebacker yeah. that are still on the roster. Right. So for Michigan State fans, they're like, yes, bring in the transfers because that's what we need. Well, they also got Octavian Brown from Minnesota. Yeah. He was a highly ranked guy. I think he's I think he's PJ Flex highest ranked recruit that he's ever brought in. And now he's in Michigan State. Yeah. I was I was gonna call him the block M boys from Michigan and Minnesota, Octavian Brown and Ben Van Summeren. They brought two of them in. They nice. got one from Michigan too. You don't see a lot of transfers that come that direction. okay so bunch so. bunch of linebacker transfers bunch of cornerback transfers but i tell you what other than the one cornerback spot that that's not you know not fantastic they have some good names in the defensive backfield xavier henderson Very i good. like angelo gross myself yep. yeah they got they got something there and by the way standing room spartans has told us that his nickname from mel tucker is the sugar weasel <laughs> what <laughs> angelo gross is the sugar weasel that is not the honey badger. He's the sugar weasel. I really like that. It's awesome. Man, we got the sugar weasel. We got Quavarius Crouch. We got Bizarro Sparty. This is, could be a fun team here. Itavian's a good name, too. Fantastic name. So we should get an all-name team going. Oh, we, we should do that. Yeah, one of we'll, these we'll make it. So more. here's what we'll do. We got to wait till all the Let's, team pods are over. But We'll wait till the team pods are over, but then maybe get into the season a little bit. To see, because okay. there could some, be some to shake loose. Yeah, some okay. names might pop up. Maybe, maybe, that's a, maybe that's a good mid-season thing. Mid-season pod, yeah, right? Somebody there. write that down. Yeah, they got transferred from Florida. They got transferred from Bama. Long story short, unless you are a deep, deep Sparty supporter, most people week one are going to be uh, looking down their programs quite a bit to see who some of these guys yes. are flying around on defense. It's gonna be to like plays, like uh, major league, right? Yeah, yes. <laughs> Never heard <laughs> a half of these guys. Uh, specialist Matt Coughlin has been there for a decade. Yeah, at least. And Bryce Berger comes back too. We, we could another team. We could do a all decade team, meaning guys that have been there <laughs> a decade. for a decade. Matt Coughlin would be on that team. Yes. I, I gotta think. And then you got Reed Naylor returning. Um, yep. Special teams should be pretty good. Solid. Yeah. At least at the solid. specialist positions. So speaking of that uh, team and that schedule, I don't know if going to Northwestern would be the number one way I would want to start my season if I was Mel Tucker. What do you think? Well, I mean, first, I guess that this I, isn't an, I don't believe this is an ideal schedule. Like, First game at but Northwestern. Can we, can we at least say that Northwestern replaces a lot? So if yeah. you want to get them, you want to get them early in the season, probably. That's fair. And Northwestern generally, you want to get them early in the season. That's fair point, too. Yeah. Very glass half full type of look at that. And if you got that win versus Michigan uh, versus Northwestern, that's a pretty heck of a way to start the year. Oh, that'd be right? a great way to start the year. You would expect them to beat Youngstown State the next week. And then you get then you go to Miami. I'm just saying. Two of the first three games in year one for Mel Tucker sure. on the road, not ideal? No, it's not ideal. Okay. Um, so we'll get into it. Biggest game of the year. What do you got? So I'm going to go with Michigan. Okay. And here's why. Fair. It's getting fairly deep into the season. So that could be like a make or break. We had a good year versus we had a bad year Okay. at that point. Okay. I like that. Because you just want to see, really just want to see improvement this year, right? Okay. 
So far, I think your your biggest game stuff has been better than mine. Okay. Um, I've got Northwestern because of the things I just talked about before. If you beat them and you got off to a 2-0 and start, I'm just saying, like, you're halfway roughly to your over-under at that point. That could really help the momentum sure. for the rest of the year if you did that. Uh, scariest game of the year, I have at Purdue. Um, okay. Number one, it's on the road. Number two, it's after playing Michigan. Yeah. Let's say it's a close loss. Let's say it's a close win. All of a sudden, you got to get back up for at Purdue. That could be a tough game for me. I could see that. So mine's going to be Western Kentucky, and the reason is if they lose that, yeah, yeesh, yeah, then it's it's not looking good. Equally scary games right yes. there. Um, curb stomp. Okay, I'm going to get crazy here. Okay, okay, I'm going to get real crazy here. <laughs> what happens if the Miami Hurricanes just aren't that good? What happens if Michigan State beats them thirty to thirteen? I could see it happening. And again, like let's, I've let's said, just have some fun here. They're, they're not that good. Manny Diaz. I, I am confident he can coach himself to a loss at any time. For sure. You know, don't you think, mm-hmm. I mean, they got a great quarterback. It's, it's going to be tough, but I could I see know. that happen. So I went with Rutgers because it's a revenge game. Okay. That's a good point. Yeah. They were pissed off. They lost oh, that they're game. Pissed. That's, that's really good. Okay. Uh, which leads us into the over-under, which is set at four and a half. Pretty curious where you're going to go here. Okay, I'm looking down the schedule. I think I'm going to have to go under. Okay. I think I am. Like, I'm I'm looking at four wins is what I see. Okay. Which wouldn't be a horrible season. It's not probably what Sparty wants or hopes for. But it, there's so many changes yeah. this year. Yeah. And, and And again, as we said, it's year one for me. It's just going to be tough to win more than that, I think. Okay. I'm going under as well, but I tell you this much. A month ago, I was a hard under. Digging into them, Yeah. at one point, I started leaning over. But the things you just named right now, there, there's just a lot of stuff uh, stacked up against Mel Tucker and the staff. Yeah. There's so many new faces. They're, they're going to be learning about their football team awful. Yeah. So to me... Along with uh, the start to the year at Northwestern versus Miami, you know, traveling a long ways away, you would have liked to have seen a different team on the schedule other than Miami at that point. I know I just gave them curb stomp. I'm trying to have some fun here. But if you don't win that game, if you come out of September limping, yeah, finding those four or five wins after that could be tough. Yep. Okay. All right, next up, that brings us to the 2021 Nebraska Cornhuskers. Thank you, J-I-M, for the intel. Last five years, 25 and 32. Not what Nebraska fans were thinking when Scott Frost was hired three years ago. Fair enough. uh, Fair enough. Not what the national media was thinking three years ago. And I would say not what the average fan was thinking. Yeah, I I would... if you took a poll of all three of those people, the results would be quite a bit under for all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Scott Frost going into his fourth year. Um, you know, Eric Chenander going into his fourth year steadily improved the defense right there. I think they've improved every year. I pretty, pretty much. Pretty much. Pretty and much. this should be his best defense yet, not to jump ahead. Yep. Yep. So uh offensive coordinator is Matt Lubick. This is his second year. 
Um, he needs to have a better showing along with Scott Frost in, into the offense. I think that's fair to say. So we'll jump into the offense. Uh, last year, not great, Bob. Uh, total offense, 66, 392 yards per game. Kind of like Michigan State. In fact, there's some uh, there's some similarities here and there uh, yeah. between the two teams. Scoring offense, 101st, 23 points per game that, that that's I don't know what to say that's surprising stats for a Scott Frost that, offense well it's surprising. especially in his third year yeah it's surprising and I guess for me this is the bad news we're gonna get some good news you, you don't return much from last year either you return 56 percent of production from the offense which is 95th in the country so there it's a pretty green group that we're talking about here but are you saying maybe that's good because I mean it could be I guess but but no I think you want more production back, especially going into your fourth year. Like it's different when you're in Mel Tucker's spot compared to uh, Scott Frost. Is that fair? I mean, Mel Tucker's basically just getting yeah. this thing going. You would think by year three, definitely year four for any coach, not just Scott Frost, there would be a semblance of what you're trying to get accomplished done. One of the biggest things that I think you can say and it's in the the Athlon magazine, is I can't pull out an identity no. to this offense in one way, shape, or form. But I think it's the part of that is that it seems like he's learning and transitioning Bingo. as he goes as well. You nailed it, man. And I, I think most plugged-in, intelligent Nebraska fans would say that. Yeah. Um, you know, we've been – we haven't handled Scott Frost with kid gloves on this podcast, no. I think it's fair to say. Um you know, any Nebraska fans that are listening to us for the first time, um, I am an Iowa fan. Okay. Uh, but I've learned, I've learned to really like a lot of Nebraska fans. Oh yeah. Um, we obviously have a ton of listeners from the podcast that are Nebraska fans. Like, I feel like I've gotten to the point where I can holistically look at Nebraska, you, but you've grown. I think I've grown. Yes. There. With that being said, I don't think I'm looking at it through Hawkeye colored glasses. When I say Scott Frost was, a little too cocksure when he took this job four years ago on what he was going to quote unquote do to the big 10 and to the big 10 West. He quickly realized that the line play and the style of play that it takes to win. And I'm going to say specifically in the big 10 West is not what he expected. And he said that out loud. He did. He, he said, we need to get bigger and more physical on the line of scrimmage. And I believe they have steadily improved on that yes. the past couple years for sure. Yes, and so, we can start with the two tackles. Gigantic dudes. Yeah. Right? Um, so offensive can, tackles I'm talking about. Right. So we can start with the offensive line. Um, is this a premier offensive line in the Big Ten West? No. It's pretty young. That's, Still young. It's That's very young. That, That's the point. Yeah. So, I mean, Cam Jurgens. I don't think you can call young anymore. Correct. Um, if he gets the snaps under control, it's a, it's a concern for many a Nebraska oh, I, fans. I had forgotten about that. Yeah. Um, I I hope he practiced in the offseason. I believe so. I mean, obviously, the word coming out of camp is that thing is under control. I'd just be nervous of the yip factor the, if, yes. I'm a, if I'm a Nebraska fan. I don't think I'm crazy when I put that out there. Do you watch Ted Lasso? I, I have not yet. I really do want to start Cause, the show because I feel like season I two, episode one just came out and the yips is the, the is theme. central to the theme. God, I wish I see. I wish I had seen it because I feel like I'm going to laugh at that. You're so. not even allowed to say the word okay. in, the, in the locker room. There's only there, it's hard to fight the yips. So, um, you know, 
roughly five returning starters on the offense. That essentially is uh, Adrian Martinez and parts of the offensive line. That's where yep. the starters are Ken at. Ken Jurgens, Bryce Benhart. Yep. So, Austin Allen, tight end. That's so about it. With Austin, yeah. So w- with my little code, you know, my little uh, sheet that I do here for each team to help me navigate, I highlight names in green when I feel good about them. I highlight them in blue when it means I don't feel good about them. Hmm. And I highlight names in gray when I'm ambivalent. Pretty much their entire offense is gray. I, I, I don't know if they are bad or good. And I would even put Adrian Martinez in that group. Going into his fourth year playing Big Ten football, okay. I'm still not sure exactly what Adrian Martinez is. Okay, if, if we're going to talk quarterback, it, this is his team. He's not looking over his shoulder. So 2 a.m., it's on you, buddy. And here's what I'm going to say to him. But, Just, but, Kurt, it was his team since game one of his freshman it was. year. It was. It, it The team got wrestled away from him yeah. because of him. I know. But what he needs to do is just play within the system and don't turn the ball over. Okay, so the no turnover theme, it is it has being said by Nebraska players, coaches, the fans are doing it like I mean, he's accurate. He hits his receivers. He's okay, not I'm, great accurate down like yeah. far, down, far down the field. But look, you can win with that type of accuracy and not turning the ball over. Um, I mostly agree with that. Uh, it's a controlled passing game. You can win that way. You can win more. I don't know if you can win the Big Ten West like that. Okay. Is that fair? Yeah. All right. I, I'm not saying he's not accurate. I'm saying he's not accurate in the style of what it would take to take big shots okay. down the field. No, that's true. And so in comes – so Oliver Martin was on the team last year. He, he He's back. Samari Torre is a transfer that – Nebraska fans are high as a kite on. Yeah. And maybe the only person that they're high as a kite on more than him is Omar Manning. So we got to see what these guys look like. They're all unproven. They are all unproven. Well, and now Samar Torre is more proven. I mean, he caught a ton of passes at a lower level. Yeah. But but to me, that's still unproven. It's it's quasi unproven. Yeah. But I, I, I can put on some film and see something that Samari Torre has done in college, we still haven't seen that with Omar Manning. Now, Omar Manning had a couple wild plays in the spring game, so we'll see. Then you get in to the running backs. I've tried, and I've tried to really pin down on who the running back is going to be. I, dude, it's it's funny. Jim sent me a, a depth chart that, that listed off, you know, when if it, there's a tie, it says name or name. Sure. It really went name or name or name. Really? Or, it was like well, so we, deep. We've got Rockmere Johnson. we got true freshman Gabe Irvin. we got the USC transfer uh, Marquis Stepp, but he had some foot issues. We don't know how healthy he's going to be. I think he might have been pegged to be the starter, but we're just not sure about his health. So he's Jim's just saying it's totally up in the air, huh? His guess is, and I've seen this other places too, Gabe Irvin has really – He's a true freshman though. I know, and that's not what I would want as a Nebraska fan. My my thought process is this: I do believe you bring Marquis Step in to to play. You don't you don't transfer him right. in. He, he's a upperclassman type of guy. Uh, the other thumper that they have is Yaquez Yant or Jaquez Yant. I probably screwed that up. He looked like a, a he's a big boy. There's no doubt about that. He was a thumper in the spring game too. Here's the question that just blows my mind: 
And I got to be honest with you. I don't know if Scott Frost can answer this question. What do you want to do with these running backs? Because at times last year, um, Diedrich Mills was a thumper. Yeah. They, he did a good job on first down carries yes. or, or second down carries. It could have been second and eight and he would get five yards and get him into third and three and they would screw it up or, or a good first down carry. And they would screw up second down. Is he going to have the, the, the change in thought process, meaning Scott Frost, mm-hmm. where if one of his thumpers carries the ball for five yards on first down, you know what you do on second down? You give it back to the dude prediction. He will do that. You think so? Yes. Okay. I have seen Scott Frost evolve. I've watched it with my own eyes. But we saw it. He had chances to do that last year. I think he had chances to do it in 2019 as well, and he just went away from it. I think he's going to do it. Okay. Which leads me into my next thing. The number one thing that Frost and this offense has to do is get a rushing attack. We had a rushing attack last year. No, you didn't. You had quarterbacks running the ball yes going into correct. i believe it was the second to last game of the I mean, year basically the, they they had gotten to a point in the season where the quarterback was the running back I, I believe i got this stat from our boy honky from the go big red cast going into either the last game of the year or the second to last game of the year the top three running backs running people yeah. on the team were quarterbacks have you ever heard the of the top that? three three First of all, how do you even get two? Even in an option offense, they're turning, the, they're handing the ball off. Wow, that's an amazing stat. I, I, it's like trivial pursuit for college football stuff. I don't know how that's even possible. I wish they would have gone the whole year with you right. know their quarterbacks being the all three quarters. That would have been fun. Absolutely insane type of deal, and that is a nod to how good uh, uh, McCaffrey and uh, Adrian Martinez. Still is at running the ball. They're yeah. good at running the ball. With that being said, you can't rely you on that. Cannot do that. No, absolutely not. I, don't, I mean, I don't even think that's a great idea in the in the in the you know a smaller group of five leagues. But sure. you can't. So to me, if I haven't already made it abundantly clear, they have got to establish establish a running game through the running backs. They don't need a bell cow. It does not have to be. It can be by committee. Fort, it can one hundred percent be. And by they've got committee. the horses up front. They got the strength, the size to do it up front. To the point, so do it to the point where even if it's not working, get stubborn and make it work. Yeah, because if it doesn't work, they're gonna it's the whole thing's gonna topple. Damn in it, on we're gonna run, we're gonna run our scheme, and if it doesn't work, we lose. If they get that going, then it would be interesting to see if they start throwing the ball up to those right receivers that we mentioned. I want to see them throw it to the tight ends. So I thought you would say that. Uh oh, here we go. Greek did some research. So I want to just say this. I believe Austin Allen is a talented tight end. I believe he'll play on Sundays. Okay. Okay. So I'm saying that. All right. All right. So you're agreeing with me. No, I'm not. Okay. (laughs) And I will say, um, uh, uh, backup tight end. Gosh, I'm uh, Travis Vokalek. Vokalek. Big dude. Kind of a glorified tackle a little bit. He's more. He's part O-line, part... You're you're hurting my feelings. Okay. Could be a big red zone target, right? Okay. My point I'm trying to make is, are they going to get used? Okay. That's a good question. And I have that question for two things. Number one, 
does Scott Frost like to use his tight ends? And then number two, traditionally, no. I don't think Adrian Martinez is comfortable throwing the ball down the middle. Yeah, boy, and that's for tight ends. That, typically. Okay, that's a good. That is an excellent point. The, and that's why I scoff at the accuracy of Adrian Martinez. It's it's easier to be accurate when you throw to the sidelines and you're not throwing over linebackers and front yeah. safeties, which is what accurate passers need to do. It's an excellent point. Uh, tight end production under Scott Frost. So 2018, 19, and 20, okay? Total catches, 95. Total touchdowns, four. Okay, that's not very good. All right? At least the touchdowns. Jake Ferguson of Wisconsin, by himself, 99 uh, uh, catches, 10 touchdowns. Just Jake Ferguson. Yeah. Okay? Okay. I I, I purposely did not So I guess I'm challenging Mr. Frost and Mr. Martinez to use those tight ends because they're weapons. They are weapons. And you don't have a lot of experience from the wide receiver. You have very little experience in the wide receiver room. So use the tight ends, man. They're weapons. Yeah. yeah. And by the way, the tight end position, I would say, is my favorite offensive position. It's kind of like being married and having a big tally whacker. Are you really using it? Hmm. Hmm. Okay. All right. Moving on to the defense. We can we can spin things a little bit more positive now, right? Yeah. So to summarize the offense, it's an average group, I think. So I think that the strength of this team is is it, it's is, an it it is an average group. It ha- I see the potential. Sure. But it it's going to take some meticulous puzzle making. You know what's going to take it to, to get it to click. Good coaching. That's what it's going to take. So that's I'm, a very that's good point. A challenge to Scott Frost. All right, so this should be the best defense we've seen in Lincoln should in be. a decade. Gosh, you know what? Yeah, I mean, you probably have to go back. You're, Definitely you're, not, not the Riley years. Throw those out. Riley. You're going back to some. some Throw Riley, out the first. Some, uh, 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 so what was Riley? Five years? No, three. Was it only three? Yeah. Oh, you're boy. going back. You're going back to Crazy so- Bow. Sorry, Nebraska. Fans. You're going back to Crazy Bow. Yeah, and he didn't have great defense. Not at the end. Not at the end. But yeah. they were pretty good. They were yeah. pretty good defense. Yeah, you're, you're probably going back to Bow's second Some, or second or yeah, somewhere in the Bow era last okay. year or something like that. Um, you know, I don't know where you want to go, but we have got seniors and upperclassmen on top of seniors and upperclassmen. It's amazing. Uh, and I gotta say, uh, you look in the two deep too. It, that's what I'm saying. And I, I have to admit. Of all the crap that Frost has gotten for transfers, I'm surprised there hasn't been more transfers out from the defense, seeing as how all of these young guys have realized at the end of last year they were going to be sitting behind these seniors again. Sure. It's it's pretty frustrating well, look at to like, be a sophomore to sit behind a senior only to sit behind him again, but they've had very few defections. Well, so. like Caleb Tanner, we see him on the field all the time. He's He's – He's not projected to be a starter. Nick Henrik, same thing. Yep. Noah Paulo Gates, Miles Farmer. I mean, those are some big names right there that Absolutely. are not predicted to start. They'll be on the field. Don't get me wrong. Correct. But you bring up a good point. They they seem to have well-known names that have yet to crack the starting lineup because of all these seniors. Probably Cam Taylor Britt, to me, is the biggest difference maker on this defense. Yeah, I think that's... I mean, it's pretty much generally yes. considered that way. Um, little bit of question marks at the other corner spot. Brandon Clark seems to be the guy that people are looking at the most, but there's other guys that are could possibly break in and, and play cornerback. You know, I like their safeties in Deontay Williams and Markel Dismook. I don't love them. Um, the the missed tackleness 
from the back seven mm. to me would be the biggest thing that they need to work on. I think maybe some Nebraska fans would say forcing turnovers at a much higher rate would be the other thing that was supposed to be what the style of this defense was when they took over was a disruptive defense that essentially got the ball back to the offense. I think they have morphed into a Wisconsin, Iowa, bit of Northwestern type of defense. They're, they're playing more come up and hit you, but in order to play that defense to its full ability, I'll say it again, you got to tackle better. And I think a lot of that starts in the secondary linebackers as well. Um, big loss this year with Will Honus yeah, out. I mean, I think you could make an argument he was their best linebacker, but there's still a lot. JoJo Doman, very good. I very much like Luke Reimer. I think he's an up-and-comer. There's guys there, but still I think it's fair to say the consistency needs to improve. Um, you can look at film versus Illinois, a um, couple other teams I can list off now at the top of my head where they seem to go missing for stretches of time. They did not ne- bust a gripe against Illinois. Not yeah. not versus Illinois. They look better most of the – I mean, they look great I, I don't know what they were Iowa. doing against Illinois. Yeah. Um, and then D-line, you know, I think there's a lot of depth there. Uh, ben Stilley, definitely on the Ben Here Forever team. Uh, I feel like he's sure. going into his sixth or seventh year. Um, I like Ben Stilley again, just like Jacob Panishak. Are they the same person now that I think about it? They might be kind of, um, he, Ben Stilley is going to play on every single defense in the big 10. I don't know if he's a playmaker on any defense in the big 10 in with, with Nebraska. I think Phil Darius Payne is who they're expecting to be that guy that really starts being a force in the backfield, but somebody has got to be that they have got to get dudes behind the line of scrimmage making plays because in my mind that's where the turnovers come from big fan of Damian Daniels in the middle he was playing more and more snaps as the the season went on last year big uh pile creator I yes guess. yeah Casey Rogers Messiah Newsom I said there is a ton of bodies to rotate in I still feel like even on a three down lineman set it, I still think you have to have one if not two guys that are stalwarts that you can count on getting in the backfield consistently sure i don't see that right now but i'm not saying one of them can't develop okay so to me this offense or defense needs to be really good for for the corn huskers to achieve their goals this year yes i think i mean my challenge to them would be be a top five big 10 defense really that's my challenge i hope he doesn't get mad but jim and i were talking about this i said in order for nebraska to easily make a bowl, right? Definitely six wins, maybe more. They have to have a top 25 defense. So top five uh, Big Ten defense would probably be around top 25, right? Do you, do you hear that, Jim? That's that's Kurt and I on the same page. Um, he, he doesn't think it needs to be that high. I, I disagree. If your defense, if this defense that I see on paper, this 2D, because by the way, an injury or two happens, they've got depth. Too, yes, right? they do. That, that's a, another big sign, Correct. important sign of a good defense. If this defense here that I see cannot get pretty darn high up in the Big Ten for rankings, I don't know when it'll ever happen. I guess I'll say if it if it's not top twenty five, then we have to have a surprising jump from the offense. Bingo. Yeah, bingo. Very well put. But speaking of the third aspect of football, is the special teams, and they return Connor Culp, but then bring a new punter Daniel Cerny. Yeah, but Connor so we- Culp. He's a weapon, man. 
Connor Culp, uh definitely stopped the bleeding. Like people forget just how bad the kicking was in 2018 oh, and 19. Like it was historically bad. Not not just for Nebraska for <laughs> almost he, anybody. He was the kicker of the year last year, I think. He was? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Pot returner Cam Taylor Britt, also very good. With that being said, the cover and just overall special teams of Nebraska leaves a little bit to be desired. They have a more committed special teams coach this year, but not a, a special teams only coach. Right. We'll see if it does a little bit better. Um, getting into the schedule, this is not an easy schedule. It's not, and the thing, it gets really tough at the end of the year. I mean, so you got to get tough. your wins it's early. It's kind of tough throughout. It kind of is. It, it goes from spots of very hard to then really, really hard by but, the end of the year. Yeah, so your last three games, Ohio State at Wisconsin, Iowa. Oof. It, like, can you even actually dream up a, a harder schedule than that? Maybe switch out. Not to end the season, no. <laughs> Not I mean, really. Um, I guess the one good thing is, like, they always play Iowa well. They do, play close. I, they do play Iowa well. So maybe they can pull it out against Iowa. Keep it close. Because I think they've lost six in a row to Iowa. I think that's right. I believe. Um, let me check. Yes. Six, six in a row. But to start the year out at Illinois. Um, now, this is such an intriguing game. I think we've I, talked you, about this before. On you you kind of almost scoffed at me when we recorded this summer and we ranked the most intriguing non-conference games for the Big Ten. And I think I had this number one. What do you mean non-conference? Pretty sure that's how we did it. But you said non-conference. It's a conference game. Yeah, you're right. What was it? No, it was it was early uh, season games. That's what it was. Excuse me. Oh, okay. Me. It was like games in the first two weeks of the season or something. I don't like know. That. I would have scoffed at that. You, you, there was scoffing that you there did. There was some scoff, huh? Yeah, you scoffed at me. We'll, well replay shame the, on we'll me. We'll replay the tape. The, how how crazy is this game? The storylines are amazing. Week I'm, zero, you, so Beatles' first game. First of all, you got Frost in his fourth year. I wouldn't say hot seat, but he has to prove something this year, right? It's lukewarm. He's got pressure. Meanwhile, Illinois has no pressure. Illinois returns basically the same team. I know Nebraska returns a lot. They got to travel to Illinois, not really knowing, not having anything on film, right? Not knowing what kind of schemes they're going to look at. I, it, it's it's intriguing all around. Very much so. Uh, and then, oh, by the way, Illinois won by three touchdowns last year. That's too. the other thing. I that mean, there, there are storylines on top of storylines. Yeah. And I am a little surprised at how big that line came out at like eight and a half or something like that. That I thought it'd be under a touchdown anyway. That was about what I thought it would be. Um, you know, uh, I have heard Nebraska fans say, we expect to win this game. Yeah, I've now, heard a lot of now, that too. Now, there's two ways to look at that statement. Going into your coach's fourth year, you should expect to yeah. win this game. Yes. So that part, I understand. You're favored by eight and a half points as well. Which is a pretty big line. I mean, that, that's I would call that a heavy favorite. That would be knocking on the door of heavy favorite. I mean, with I that being anything said, over with that being said, no college football fan or Big Ten fan would be shocked to see Illinois pull that game off. Is that fair to say? No, I think so. And then Memorial Stadium is going to be rocking too. That's absolutely. It's going to be a hell of an atmosphere, and we will be there. And we will be there. Uh, God, I can't wait. And then, uh, very good job by the no longer there uh, Bill Moose. We didn't do a we did a 
Nebraska got rid of their AD podcast. We did not do a Nebraska hired their AD. Yeah, podcast. we we'll have bad to talk us. about that. Bad so, on us. Yeah, maybe um, next next pod soon. Should soon. do some thoughts on. Um, but good job by him getting Fordham in there for the second game because you want some wins early in the year. Buffalo, the Bulls have been absolutely gutted with their coaching staff and some of their players. So good chance to start out. At the very least, two and one, but possibly three and all. Yes. And then Oklahoma. Now, I think Oklahoma's really, really good. I don't see Nebraska winning this game, but I don't think it's crazy that if Nebraska goes in three and all and they've got some things figured out. That's not crazy. Maybe they they maybe could they, do it. Maybe they run the ball on Oklahoma. I don't know. I'm and then, that game the way- could be a little bit more intriguing than people think. So, by the way, then they follow up at Michigan State. I know you're on the road, but, I mean, that's a game you should win. They've got four very winnable games out of the first five games. Okay. So, we'll get into the the, the games. Um, scariest game of the year for me is a toss-up between two teams. Who do you have for scariest game of the year? I have Michigan State, the, so game, the I. game I just chose because so – because if you're not picking up early season wins, it just gets harder and harder as you go on. So then you start losing your confidence as a team looking ahead and saying, oh, gosh, can we get to six wins? Dude, you, you, I thought for sure you were going to say Illinois. So I oh. went into this saying Illinois is the scariest game. Because if you lose the Illinois game to start the year, yeah. it, it starts the season off on an yeah. ominous start. Okay, I just think they're almost for sure going to get wins versus Fordham and Buffalo. So even if they would lose to versus Illinois, they have a chance to get two wins underneath their belt. Nobody expects them to uh, beat Oklahoma. So no harm, no foul there. With that being said, if you go into the Michigan state game at two and two or even three and one, and you lose that game and then you got to play Northwestern next. Yeah, dude, we are, we're clenching butt cheeks at this point. Absolutely. Because then you're getting into the heart of the schedule. And it also kind of is talking about what you said before. You got to get the wins early in the year. So biggest game, I actually have Illinois. So I did pick Illinois as well. Although I'm also looking over at the Michigan game. I think that's a good one, too. That that could be a good one, I'm a toss-up between those two. Because obviously we talk about Illinois starting off the season right. But I think Michigan, that's a team you you can beat. I, I, I mean, I'm being honest right now. I'm sorry, but I'm throwing out Oklahoma and Ohio State, okay? Yes. Um, to a certain degree, not not quite up to that level, but I'm throwing out Wisconsin yes. as well. Okay. The games that could be on the list of being the biggest games of the year for them are Illinois, Michigan, Minnesota, and Iowa. That Iowa game yeah. could be a no-brainer for the biggest game sure. of the year because if they're sitting at 5-6. and six, Correct. So, but I think I'm going to go Michigan for the biggest game. Okay. That works for me too. Um, curb stomp. I, I think I have Purdue because it's coming off a of bye week There's a chance that they've got a couple things figured out by then. They beat them up pretty good last year. They seem to kind of have their number. They, I they, mean, obviously I could less Fordham and Buffalo, but you, th- those aren't, those aren't curb stop games that you pull no, anything out I'm of. I'm trying to stick to conference games for curb stomp personally, but yeah, coming off the buy and great news is they get two, bu- Idle, idle weeks, not yes, a buy. Correct. The two idle weeks. So yeah, I also went with Purdue Boilermakers because look, I mean, it's it's hard to look down a Big Ten schedule and find a true curb stop. But I think if there is one, it's Purdue. I'm picking Purdue a lot for a lot of curb stop games. Okay. By the way, um, but uh, yeah, so I think we agree on quite a bit with that. So that brings us to the over under, uh, which we got set at 
six wins. This one's Boy, tough. That's tough. They 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 this they set this well, you know. Yeah, I mean, you'd. I think you know if you could pick push, I would go push. So I see. I'm I'm looking at five games that I think are wins, and then can they pull two out of these other games? I it's, think I I gosh, I, it's so it's tough. I have. I guess I have to go under still. Okay. And the only reason I'm going under is because we haven't seen a lot from the Scott Frost regime yet. So if you're forcing me gun to my head, because I, I can put together seven wins here. Yes. But I, I think I'm just going with the recent history, the three years we've seen so far, I'm, I'm going under. You could very easily talk me into under. Um, this was basically a coin flip thing for me, but I'm going to go over. Um, okay. A lot of that is going to rest on that home opener for me. Yes, absolutely. Because my thought process is, okay, I think they can get Illinois in that home owner, home opener. Okay. Um, if they start then the season out three and oh, I just I've got to think that they can get to three wins on the rest of yes. their schedule. And if something breaks right here or there, then they're at seven. So like yep. I, I feel just a little bit better about the over than I do the under, and that's how I arrived at that. I get it. But if they lose to Illinois to start the year, that is a hard – that is a tough road to hoe to get to six wins. Absolutely. That's a huge and that, game for them. That's why that's such a monster game. I don't know. Maybe I should say the Illinois game is the biggest because uh, – That's pretty much the sole reason why I put Illinois as the biggest game of the year. I mean, you're really clenching your butt cheeks right now looking ahead to that game, right? I, I – believe if I'm reading Twitter and the tea leaves correctly for Nebraska fans, there is a certain element of clenching that's happening. Yeah. Last team on our pod, the 2021 Rutgers Scarlet Knight. Thanks to our, our buddy chop for some information here. Um, I just want to say this. I, I, we try to be as truthful as we can on this podcast, right? Yeah. We, I think we are, we are virtuous humans. I like to think I know I am. <laughs> Just ask me. Um, I did not enjoy breaking down and talking about Rutgers in past years. I did it because it was part of the JOB. I am looking forward to talking about this specific Rutgers team. I'm glad to hear that. That is that is the power of Greg Schiano. And to a certain degree, Chop. Chop gave me some some fire in my loins for the literally first time in my life. Wow. You for have the fire in your loins for the Scarlet Knights. So I will say I did enjoy breaking down the Scarlet you Knights did. every year. I know you did. Yeah. Okay. Maybe part of the reason I didn't enjoy them breaking them down in the past last five years, twelve and forty-five. I will say this year is going to be more fun. Right? Can I put that out there? That, yes. Okay. That's good. But you know, like I do highs and lows. Lows, I just have lots of them. I mean, the the fact of the matter uh, is, you could literally say the best year of Rutgers football the last five years was last year's three and 16. I don't even think I, it's a question. I, I can tell you the low point. Okay. That was the Kansas game when they gave up 400 rushing yards. Boy, was that disappointing. I think that's when I just officially tuned out. It was. Yeah. I remember it. Um, okay. So who do we got? We got Greg Schiano going into his second year in Piscataway. Uh, defensive coordinator, Rob Smith. Hey, how about this? Uh, Sean Gleason, offensive coordinator. Two, two years in a row. Years in a row. Utah. Give me two. <laughs> 
for those that don't know what we're talking about, Rutgers literally changed offensive coordinators like my potty training two and a half year old changes his underwear. I mean, it was for like a decade. It was 13 and 13 years off the top oh of my God. head, but that doesn't even include interims. Oh my God. So it, you're talking about maybe 1.2 per year or something like that. Somewhere over the stretch, I might not have this stat perfect, but something to the effect of Rutgers was last in the Big Ten in offense four out of five years. And then the one year they weren't, they were like 12th. That's how bad their offenses were. Well, but they did. So they did have McNulty for two years at the end of the um, oh. the the Ash era. Okay, so that was actually broken. But it is something to say second year. Hmm. Okay, that kind of, that kind of stole the fire. But okay. With that being said, returning starters on offense, you can squint and get to ten returning starters on this offense. I believe nine, almost for sure. Last year's numbers, as much as much improved as they were. They were still 105th in total offense at 339 yards per game, but a little bit better on scoring offense at 27 points per game. So that's how bad their offense was. We thought it looked like leaps and bounds better, and they still didn't crack into the sing- in the double digits for total offense. That so is pretty amazing. We still got room to grow for the Rutgers offense. So by the way, you, like you said, you look down the death chart, and it's like the entire team is back on offense. But get this. They only returned 67% of production from the offense, which is 74th in the country. How is that not higher? I don't know how that's I mean, possible. They lost Karon Adams running back. I get it. He was pretty productive. I can't think of another guy they lost. It's weird. I don't. It doesn't make sense to me because when you think of this offense, the two names that, that – uh, uh, jump out the most to me are wide receiver Bo Melton and running back Isaiah Pacheco, right? Yes. I mean, I don't know if we're beating the drum too much, but they've been there forever. Too. Oh, gosh. <laughs> they, who do you, who's been there? Who seems like they've been there longer, Bo Melton or Isaiah Pacheco? I'm going to say Pacheco. I'm going to say Pacheco, yeah. I think this is his fourth year as a starting running back. It's got to be, right? No, I'm dead serious. I think that's a stat. I mean, every year that we've done this, he's been the guy. Yes, I wrote a note down. This is his fourth year as a starter. Wow. Do you know how hard it is to be a four-year starter at running back in the Big Ten? So I wonder if he's going to leave. This is interesting. I wonder, is it possible? I don't know what their, I guess, Ray Rice, but I'm not sure who. uh, Leonard, the one... Uh, running back, could he leave as like maybe the all time leading rusher you would think. on some of the worst offenses for the most part? <laughs> That's another fun stat. It's a good point. Boy, yeah. That's like Robert Holcomb at Illinois. Yeah. Was on putrid teams, but he, but he could, left. That guy could run the ball. He left school as the all time leading he, rusher. He actually was yes, the all time leading yeah. rusher. It's a really good stat grab there. Um, as far as depth behind Isaiah Pacheco, I think we got Aaron Young, but we need to work on uh, a, a pair and a spare here. Yes. Um, and what I think I'm getting at is, I believe Rutgers needs to see. And, and this is where it's this is where I find them intriguing. Okay, in my mind, they need to establish a strong running attack to try to shorten the games down a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but yet, I don't think that fits into sh- what Sean Gleason no, wants to do it at all. It doesn't. So I would love to be in the Rutgers meeting rooms for offensive when Gleason's talking to Shiano because well, I would love to know what the thought process okay, is. Okay, it's here. to be honest with you, it's as much as I like Sean Gleason, it's kind of a weird hire because you don't. I don't imagine that's what Shiano wants, like a high tempo guy 
he wants to slow it down game because we're going to play good defense. It, I'm not. Sh- that, that's maybe one complaint I have is is the offense and defensive schemes meshing with one another. Totally, and what like one thousand percent get where you're coming from, but that's why I find it intriguing because is Greg Schiano with his time that he spent at Ohio State, maybe there was a little Saban imprinted on him somewhere along the way where he's like, listen, this is how you win in college football. It's with these Sean Gleason type of offense. Yeah, screw it, let's give it. A I shot. guess he, that's probably what he's doing, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so he's just adapting to the game. They were. They were able to disguise a lot of things on both sides of the ball by being so high up in the plus on turnovers. So that that stat, yes, that stat tends to jump back around. So it had flipped from the previous year. Correct. So is it going to flip back? That's one. That's one thing that scares me about this team this year. But yet intrigues you. Yes. What is it going to look like? Like honestly, and we'll get into the schedule because that excites me. Even more um, offensive line, not good. No, I, not great. I, but, I, it's I mean, probably one of the worst two or three offensive lines in the Big Ten. It, it just was. It just was not consistent last year. I mean, I nope. think that's fair to say. But you got a couple good pieces here, and Raekwon O'Neal and Nick Crimmon. Thankfully, Nick Crimmon comes back, moves inside. So you got some pieces. If you can just cobble together a couple more. We could have a serviceable line here. And, and again, th- this is a line that's going to be dominated by juniors and seniors. So I understand talent is talent. And if none of these guys are that talented, but still the position group that benefits the most from just being older and playing together more is the offensive line. So if you can just go from something like a C minus offensive line to B minus, that's a big difference to this offense. We'll see. At quarterback, Noah Vedral, I believe that I might like Noah Vedral better than anybody. <laughs> like I think I like him more than you. I think I like I know I like him more than than Chop does. I don't know. I just think he's a perfect placeholder for what you need when you're transitioning to the super recruit that's coming in next year. You can win some games with well, Isaiah Vedra. I mean, they're recruiting well at the quarterback position, yeah. but uh I just see him as someone that's like a marginal Big Ten talent. Correct. So I agree. But he's he's dual thready, yeah. which is nice. I I guess it's one of those situations that just don't make a mistake. Here's what you need to do. Make a third down play happen every now and then, whether it be with your legs or your arm, and don't kill your team Mm -hmm. with turnovers. Vedral can pull that off. He can, yeah. And then to help him out, be decent receivers, right? It's not just Bull Melton. I think Shaheem Jones. and I like his receiving. It's a a good receiving. Aaron Crookshank. Yeah. Uh, uh, Isaiah Washington. Don't forget about him. Yeah, they got some good guys. Uh, Joshua Youngblood, by the way, I think is a transfer. I can't remember where he comes from, but they. No, I think Crookshank is more of a. I think we kind of called him a Swiss Army knife yeah. a little bit. Like he's. But how many end arounds? Like how many jet sweeps did he run last and year? He's good successfully. He's great he's, at it. He's good at it. So that's his role. Other guys, two or three guys, are pass catchers. I see something here. I mean. Oh, by the way, Josh Youngblood. Yeah. Kansas State. That's right. where he came from. He was a 2019 All American as a returner. Yeah. So I'm not sure how, how much he's going to translate to wide receiver, but that's a weapon. That's another weapon. Dude, I mean, he's, special teams counts. And this goes back to what we've talked about in previous podcasts. Dude, there there has been some roster makeover that Shiano has done that oh, is very impressive. It's been wizardry. It's, it, is, it is wizardry. <laughs> it is. It's good. Um, all right, then that moves us on to the defense. 
Also not great. It's kind of the same thing. It, it They've got eight. You could maybe squint and get to nine returning starters on the defense, but the offense was total offense was 105th last year. Total defense 104th last year gave up almost 450 yards per game scoring defense. I don't know how, how like it's, it's quite a bit better, but 83rd, 32 points per game. When the Rutgers defense went missing, they went missing big time. And there was people running open down the field often. I don't know. But how did they stop offenses? They basically stopped them by turning them. Yes. So you can't rely on that this year. It's got to be better. With that being said, let's start on the positive. And I want to make maybe my my biggest biggest, boldest statement of this podcast. I would rather have Rutgers linebackers than Ohio State's. I love Rutgers linebackers. It's kind of like Did my, you hear what I just said? Yes, I, I did hear it, and it's I'm still processing. Okay. But um, uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Okay, th- this is my – for linebackers, this is the equivalent of Michigan State with the wide receivers. I just love this group. It's a great group. I mean – Go um, ahead. Go ahead. It's yours. Yeah, sorry. Um, Olakunle Farakasi? I mean, he is the captain of, captain of the all-name team. He and is, honestly, Tyshawn Fogg's a cool name too. They're they're both great names, but yeah. I would say Fadakasi is probably the captain of the defense. But then first team All Big Ten last year, brother. You could make the case for Fogg too. And by the way, Tyreek Maddox Williams was having a great year too. He was kind of like the uh, he's kind of the Chris Bergen of this yep. linebacker group. Yep. He didn't get the credit, but he was he. I great thought pull. he played great last year. It's a good linebacking career. Yeah, and by the way. On the bench, they still have uh, Drew Singleton. Yeah, dude, it's it's a good it's a good linebacking girl. And you know what? I like the defensive backfield too. It's not bad. I mean, I mean got, it's pretty good. You got my my two favorites, the Avery brothers, yep. Trey Avery and Avery Young. Yep, brothers, obviously, right? <laughs> Duh. And then Christian Isian is an absolute playmaker back yeah. there. I, I mean, they and again, be, the reason they were able to turn guys over is because of the style of defense and because they had the secondary to pull it off and linebackers. I mean, you get, you get turnovers from linebackers so, too. So the bad, could, the bad news though, as I don't love the defensive line. No, no. However, so I'm concerned about the interior of the defensive line, but they did bring in a couple transfers. Hopefully those guys pan out, but I love Mike Tverdov. Yeah. I oh. don't know about love, but that guy's been solid. playing since he was a freshman and he was, He's looked like he's about 220 pounds as yeah. a freshman. Yeah. And he's really developed into a good defensive end. I mean, if. Uh, and they got uh, Julius Turner as if well. If Jacob uh, Panishuk, Ben Stilley, and uh, Mike Turdov walked into a bar, they, they would have like stories to tell each other, I got to think. They're it, there's all the there's same some player. of the Spider Man meme going on there. <laughs> Three way Spider Man meme. We're going to need. We're going to need a rotation on the defensive line, is what I'm going to yeah, say. Yeah. Like, I don't know if we have a superstar that's going to emerge here. If we can just keep three, four fresh bodies rotating around to let those linebackers and secondary do some work. Yep. We, we got the potential of a, a decent defense. I here. think so. Like I expect the offense and defense to both crack the double digits for rankings, maybe get into that. Am I being crazy? If I think they can get into that 60 to 70 range, I mean, that's that would I mean, be, we're talking. They're both 104, 105th. So that's that's thirty spots up. It's a huge jump, but it's potential. It's it's not impossible. They okay. could they could do it. And by the way, they're gonna move a little bit more to a four two five scheme this year, too. Everybody's doing point. it. Yep. So that kind of goes back to what we were saying about Shiano and, and changing schemes. So yeah. 
Maybe yeah. maybe that's the thing. Maybe he's just saying, throwing caution to the wind. Let's see. If we're going to win big, we need to do it with this style. So let's just see if we can make it work. Uh, hey, man, specialist, you got Aaron Crookshank, and you have got Adam Corsak. I mean, that's two great spots to start for special teams. Yeah, and right kicker there. Valentino Ambrosio comes back, but Adam Corsak, I mean, you know my uh, punting – that's my favorite non-tight end, non-cornerback hey, position. I'm a, I'm a punting connoisseur oh, I love myself. It. I mean, this is you could say this is a punting pod. And Corsak, he's got a little magician in him. He's Yeah, he's got some magic okay. there. Now, let's get to the schedule because this is what I'm most excited about. I'm going to say this, and okay. I mean it. Here okay? we go. Other than Iowa, of course, throwing him off the you know all the time. I don't know if I am looking forward to a Big Ten team's September schedule more than I'm looking forward to Rutgers. They start out with the Temple Owls at Syracuse, Delaware. Okay. They very easy, very easily could start at 3-0, correct? I, I think they're going to. I think they're probably going to be favored to. Like, you really hope they beat uh, Delaware and Temple, okay? I don't think Syracuse... Is that good? No. But they got to play in the Carrier Dome. That place yeah. is like, okay. They that pump is... in the music. It's 400 degrees in there. Yeah. Um, trust me when I say as an Iowa fan, we won there, but, dude, it, it, it's it's okay. tough. Okay. So, but but I really want, I really expect 2-1. and one, But I think they can get to 3-0, and oh, right? Some of these things that we're talking about, they have an identity. They're moving the ball. They're forcing people over, turning people over. They're 3-0. and oh, And then... Where do they go? At Michigan. And a Michigan team that I'm not super high on so far. So biggest game of the year. I've I've got Michigan. I so Okay, just because of the potential. I'm not saying they're gonna beat Michigan. Okay. I they they took Michigan right down to the wire. Many people would say they should have won that game. But I'm I'm doing a little fantasy land here, okay? They start out three and oh, they go into the big house and win. Every, they might be ranked at that point. Oh, Everybody's yes. going to be talking about Rutgers. I, I think you're right. Okay, so I'm going biggest game. I think I'm going to go with Illinois. Okay. Okay. Because okay. I, I do see some wins early. If you want to, you know, if you really want to reach your goals, I think you have to win that game. Okay. You have to go to Memorial Stadium and Champaign and win that game. All right. Um, that's fair. Uh, scariest game of the year. I've got two that I could pick out. I'm curious what you think. Now, we, we I had big talk here, okay, at Michigan, all right? Chances are, historically speaking, they lose that game, okay? Then they lose almost for sure versus Ohio State. Now, at that point, they could either be 3-2 and two or 2-3. Two and three. That Michigan State game at that point, Boy, you better hope they win that game because just that quick, all of a sudden the season could be off the rails, which then leads me into the next game, which is at Northwestern. That could be, you know, another loss. So basically what I'm saying is either one of those two games could be their scariest games of the year because now we are like on a three or four game downswing, you know, big, big influx game right there. I think I'm going to go with the Temple Owls. Really? Yeah, because That's for me, point. for me, you look at the first three games. As a Rutgers fan, I'm saying we got to win these three games. Okay, you lose that first one, crap. Yes, we already screwed it up. You because you lose to Temple, and then the demons start creeping in, and you're thinking, yes. we could go 
two and ten. This yeah, year, one and eleven, whatever. Yeah, I like that pick too. I mean, both of those make sense to me. I guess I was going under the assumption that this is a much improved Rutgers team and that they'll beat Temple. But yeah, if we I go into too. the fourth quarter and it's twenty-four to twenty-one, that, that you bring up some good points there. Curb stop. Now, curb stop. I mean, it very easily could be any one of the first three games. You know, Delaware would be the most common. But if they really get things going, like if they are playing good, good ball. I mean, I think it's very reasonable to think that they could curb stop Maryland at the end of the year. Yep. And that would be maybe not necessarily get them to a bowl, but a great way to finish the year. Not hard for me to see a locks team just not giving a shit by the end of the year. And so, then this being, you know, a big win for them. Right. So if they're pointed in the right direction and Maryland's pointed in the wrong direction, I agree it's Maryland. Okay. Same, same thing. Yes, yep. sir. All right. Um, over under four. Yep. This is up from one and a half the year before. <laughs> if you wanted another sign of the Greg Schiano effect, there it is, right? Okay. I'm going to go over. Yeah, dude. I, I Okay. I went under, all right? But mostly because I I, I think this is a this is a tough schedule, okay? And so, this is okay. Somebody's got to go under. In in this I, I what I'm trying to say is I went into this thinking and and I haven't broke down Maryland yet, okay? Truth be told. But long story short, somebody's got to be last in the Big 10 East. Correct. I don't see right now a last place team in the Big Ten East. I see a bunch of six and six teams where somebody's going to have to finish last. That's where I put Rutgers. Law of averages, a lot of new moving parts, but I I don't like this pick. But I I, I kind of feel like honestly, I thought honestly it would be higher. And the fact mm. that it's not four and a half or five. Lends me to believe that Vegas is onto something. Okay. And that has swayed me into picking the under. The reason I go over, I just love that the opening three games. I really think they have a good shot of going three and oh. And if they do, just pick up you can pick up two wins. You would think so, but if they go two and one in well, those yeah, games, that's different. then it gets tougher to pick those out where you're basically looking at Michigan State, Illinois, Maryland. I, I don't know. Like it's it's tough to p- to pick out two, three wins. Those first three games are huge, and it probably gives more credence to the fact that you having Temple Isles in the scariest game makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Okay. Anything else? No, sir. That was the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. That was also the Nebraska Cornhuskers and the Michigan State Spartans. Another fun pod. Thanks for making it over, buddy. I know you were tired. You pushed through. I was. That's what champions are made out of. I was tired, and that's going to be a little bit of a beefy pod as well. Yeah. We had a lot of beefy stuff to talk about. I'm Jeffrey the Greek. I'm Big Kurt. This has been the Eyes on Big Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.